0: Welcome to the My Buddy Green Podcast. I'm Jason Wacob, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Hey everyone, we are all in for a low glycemic treat today, as we have Jessie and Chausby, also known as Glucose Goddess, on Instagram, on the show to chat about her new must-read book titled Glucose Revolution. The life-changing power of balancing your blood sugar. Jesse. Welcome.
1: Hi, Jason. Thank you.
0: So great to have you and every, not every, but so many books, so many entrepreneurs start with a wellness journey and boy, did you have a journey. So let's start there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I did. So my health journey starts when I'm 19 years old and I'm just going about my life, being a fun, naive, feeling invincible. And then one day in a freak accident, jumping off a waterfall, I break my back. So one of my vertebrae explodes into 13 pieces. And that was the beginning of my health journey, because at that point, it became clear to me that the only thing that mattered in life was health because I was suffering immensely. I was suffering physically. I had very intense surgery. And then I started suffering really deeply mentally. I developed um, a lot of mental health issues and I just, I didn't want to live. I mean, it was really bad. And so I decided I had to figure out how to feel good again. And so there my journey began.
0: And. How did you feel good again? And how long did that process take? Because when I hear, you know, I'm someone who suffered from, I had two extruded discs, my lower back, the classic L4, L5, S1. That's nothing compared to what you had. And it took me six months to feel better. So walk us through that process.
1: So actually physically, you know, after the surgery where they put in six rods into my spine, actually within a couple months, I had no more physical pain. It was quite remarkable, went over really well. What was really difficult was the mental health stuff. And that took me 10 years actually to feel good again. And I was really confused. I didn't know what to do. I had this condition called depersonalization, which is kind of a cousin of dissociation. And for me, it felt like terror of just existing. Like just the fact that I was alive was the most terrifying thing I had ever experienced in my life. So that was not fun. And so what I did is I started looking into the science because I'm a scientist. And I thought, hey, I'm going to go to grad school to study biochemistry to try to understand how my body functions. So I did that. I learned some stuff, but still, I didn't feel well. So then I thought, hey, I'm going to go into the field of genetics because if I can understand my DNA, maybe I can understand how to feel good when I wake up in the morning. So I went to work at a genetic startup in San Francisco for five years. Unfortunately, you know, learning about our DNA did not help me feel better because our DNA is useful in sort of telling you what predispositions you might have, what your ancestry looks like, but it doesn't tell you how to fix your mental health. And then while I was there, I had the opportunity to try a new device called a continuous glucose monitor. And these devices we wear on the back of our arms, and they're intended for diabetics. You need a prescription to get them. And they show you on your phone every second of the day where your blood sugar levels are at. And for me, one thing happened that completely changed the game. One day, I was starting to have one of these depersonalization episodes that I knew all too well. And because I had been wearing the glucose monitor for a couple weeks, I scanned... My monitor, and I looked on my phone where my glucose levels were at. And what I saw was the biggest glucose spike I had ever seen, up to 180 milligrams per deciliter, which is very high for a non diabetic. And so there I was. I had found a trigger for one of the depersonalization episodes. And this was met with so much happiness and relief on my end because for 10 years, I, I had no clue why these episodes were coming about and how to fix them. And here it became clear that one of the ways I could fix my mental health was by avoiding these glucose spikes and studying my glucose levels. And so I figured out how to do that.
0: Wow. So in terms of glucose, I, I think our audience is familiar with it, but always helpful to, to give them a, a primer. So let's go to, you know, what is glucose, why it's so critical and go from there.
1: Yeah. So glucose is your body's primary energy source. So every single cell in your body uses glucose to perform a function. So your eye cells right now, Jason, are using glucose to see me on the screen. My ear cells are using glucose to hear you. My hand cells are using glucose to move. We need a lot of glucose all the time just so that our body can function properly. And we get glucose by eating starchy or sweet foods because they both break down into glucose in our digestive system with a side note for sweet foods that also break down into fructose, which is a a separate issue. And so, you know, we need glucose and we get it through the food that we eat. And so you might think, okay, well, if that's the case, I'm just going to eat as much starchy and sweet stuff as possible to give my my body as much glucose as possible because I need it for energy. It turns out that more in this case is not better. It's kind of the same as when you give a plant too much water and it drowns, or you give a human too much oxygen and they pass out. If you give a human too much glucose, they experience what's called glucose spikes. So very rapid increases in glucose concentration in the bloodstream. And these carry with them consequences.
0: And in terms of those consequences, walk us through and, and, and I, y- your case is something I think very unique, or maybe it's not unique, the connection between glucose spikes and, and mental health. I think mean, that's important to, to look at there's obviously a mental health epidemic right now. I, mean, I think people are looking for answers or looking for help. And that's one thing someone can implement if that helps them, that's unbelievable. And so if, if mental health is one of the things that is, is impacted by a spike, what else is impacted, you know, cause I think it's important to note, you know, like, look, people are going to invariably spike their glucose. Sometimes it's going to happen. And I, I think it can become problematic when you do it all the time. And I, I think it, it's important to walk through what are the things that can go wrong when it spikes and then what can go wrong when you're doing it consistently
1: hmm. Yeah. So you have sort of short term effects and long term effects. Very short term. If you're currently experiencing a glucose spike and then the crash that follows, you might feel the following symptoms. You might feel really hungry, even though you just ate one or two hours ago. You might start developing cravings for sweet foods. You might feel an energy slump after a meal. Then that night, you might not sleep very well. That's the short-term stuff. Then long-term, too many glucose spikes, and you're totally right, like spikes are normal, they're a part of life, the, the point is not to completely avoid them, and actually avoiding them might lead to other problems if you do it in a wrong way. The idea is that you can flatten them at least a little bit and reap a lot of benefits for your health. So long-term effects of too many glucose spikes. You have one of the obvious ones, which is weight gain, because one of the ways that your body protects you against glucose spikes is by storing glucose into your fat cells. You have hormonal imbalances. So glucose spikes can lead to an excess of testosterone in women, which can lead to one of the most common causes of infertility right now, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Then too many glucose spikes can worsen menopause symptoms as well. And the studies show us that too many glucose spikes lead to more depressive and anxious symptoms in people who suffer from mental health problems. And then of course, too many glucose spikes for too long leads to insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, and contributes to the development of heart disease, fatty liver disease, Alzheimer's, etc. So, there are many consequences. However, you know, through my work What I discovered is that there are really simple hacks and tools that you can implement into your daily food habits that help you curb the spikes without doing something too intense or too punishing or unsustainable that just help you sort of reduce the spikes wherever you're at. And you can feel better really quickly without doing something uh, that's painful.
0: I, I love that. And it's what you do so well on your Instagram and and in your book, you know, you have a whole chapter on eating foods in the right order, and what I love about that is it speaks to this idea of integration rather than restricting, and I think that's such a better approach than saying I'm never going to have that thing, whether it's a piece of bread or a brownie or whatever your delectable treat of choice is. And what you do is you, in some ways provide a blueprint for how you can still enjoy that unbelievably delicious thing and minimize the spike by either one, eating a food in in the right order, or maybe adding a little something to that meal. And so if, if we think about those two approaches, one is, is order and then two is how to add what are some rules to live by
1: so some rules to live by to flatten your glucose curves and feel better first one as you mentioned is eating your food in the right order so the science shows us that if you eat the constituents of a meal in a specific order you can reduce the glucose spike of the meal by 75 percent so you're eating the exact same foods but there's much fewer consequences on your body. Less inflammation, slower aging, less weight gain, less impact on your mental health, on your hormones. Everything gets better. So the correct order is vegetables first, proteins and fats second, starches and sugars last. So let's say, you know, you're sitting down for a meal and you have in front of you some fish, some spinach, some rice, and then maybe like, I don't know, a piece of chocolate cake, which is my favorite. (laughs) The best order to eat those things in for your glucose levels is first the spinach, then the fish, then the, what did I say, rice, then the rice, and then the desserts. And so when you do this, you know, you're not removing anything. And I love what you said. The whole philosophy behind my work is that you can think about this as additive. Or what did you say? You said complementary. You said something like. Um, well, it,
0: it, it's about integration. I love the, the integration, idea of, integra, integra, integration over restriction.
1: Yes, completely. Because I really don't believe in restricting at all. I think that um, it can be really damaging. I mean, mentally, uh, you feel really guilty that you ate a thing you weren't supposed to eat and it just causes a whole bunch of issues. Inevitably, you end up not being able to follow that very restrictive diet that you forced yourself to get onto. It's just not cool. I'm really not for it. However, one thing that's interesting uh, that I might mention is that one of the consequences of glucose spikes is cravings. And often we feel really guilty about having a craving for something sweet. And so we might get down on ourselves and then try to implement this sort of restrictive diet to force ourselves to not eat the stuff we're craving. But it turns out, the science shows us, that cravings are often simply a consequence of being on a glucose roller coaster, a consequence of having many spikes and dips. And so if you sort of fix the root cause and you flatten your glucose curve, your cravings dissipate. And so then you're no longer controlled by these very intense desires for sweet foods. You can choose with joy the chocolate cake you want to eat that you love so much, but it's no longer this relationship of like control and willpower and, and, and strength and restriction. And you really are able to free yourself from that, which is so needed.
0: I'm thinking right now that getting bread before you sit down for your meal at a restaurant is like the worst thing ever, even if it's amazing, sourdough bread. Which is, you know, in terms of the glucose spikes, go, from my understanding and following you, sourdough is the best, right?
1: Yeah, sourdough is the best. You know, really dark bread like pumpernickel is also one of the best options we have. And so the bread before the meal thing at restaurants, I actually think that it's really clever. Because if I owned a (laughs) restaurant and I wanted people to eat as much as possible when they came to my restaurant, that's exactly what I would do. I would put bread on the table. People would then eat the bread on an empty stomach. That would create a big glucose spike. And so by the time they finish their main course, they're just smack in the middle of a massive glucose crash and they feel really hungry and they have these cravings. So. When the waiter asks, Hey, do you guys want to look at the desserts menu? You're like, yes, absolutely. Give me all the desserts. So it's actually a pretty clever way to get people to order dessert at your restaurant, this forcing of the glucose roller coaster. No, but in all seriousness, like it is better to wait and have the bread after your main course to keep your glucose level steady when they serve it at the restaurant.
0: I love it. It makes total sense. And and Mm so something you also talk about is how you can be additive. And so what are some of the things like, for example, I'll, I'll use my five-year-old daughter, you know, she loves waffles. All kids love waffles. Who doesn't love a good waffle? I love waffles. How do you make a waffle butter, excuse me, a waffle better not, (laughs) you know, is it, you know, what in doubt, do you just throw on a bunch of nut butter? Like how, how do you make a waffle better?
1: Well, I think the concept is the following. It's putting clothing on your carbs. So anytime we eat something starchy or sweet, if we add to it protein, fat or fiber, which I call clothing, you then reduce the glucose spike that the starchy or sweet food would create. So in the case of a waffle, I mean, the things that come to mind, honestly, would be whipped cream, nut butter, maybe some blueberries, maybe like some hemp hearts that you could put on there. Maybe have, you know, maybe offer to your daughter a soft boiled egg before or like some Greek yogurt so that she has some clothing in her stomach when the waffle comes through. And these are really fun hacks because really you feel better. You know, you're still enjoying the waffle that you love, but you don't have all the side effects, the short-term side effects or the cravings, the extra hunger, the sleepiness. And then long-term, you're also helping your body and eating waffles at the same time, which is so fantastic.
0: And so you mentioned Greek yogurt, I'm going to call out yogurt because yogurt for many is a health food, but you got to read the label because some yogurt is just full of sugar. And so what are some of those healthy foods that, you know, many of our listeners are, are consuming. So we got a great smart health forward audience that might be raising our glucose levels and we're just totally unaware.
1: So sweetened yogurts, definitely check the label because even if a yogurt has like fruit puree in it or fruit concentrate, that's just sugar. That's just sugar that's been extracted from fruit. Another big one are all of the cereal or snack bars that are really high in dates. So they might say all natural, no sugar added, but then you look at the label and it's like, oh, this is just 10 dates and some walnuts. Again, dates are dried fruit, and so as soon as you denature a piece of fruit, whether you concentrate it to put in yogurt, you juice it to make an orange juice, or you dry it and you use it for its sweetness, you're creating a big glucose spike in your body. Your body does not make the difference between sugar coming from fruit or sugar coming from a can of Coca-Cola. It's all processed the same. And one also thing I would say is maybe rice cakes. A lot of people think rice cakes are really good for us. Actually, it's just pure starch. So definitely put some clothes on them. Uh, You can put some avocado on them, maybe some smoked salmon, just to make sure that the starch from the rice doesn't create this massive spike in your bloodstream. And then finally, I have so many of these. Finally, another one I would say would be breakfast granola, muesli, that kind of stuff. It depends on the type of it. But if you look in the ingredient ingredients and if there's sugar, honey, agave syrup, maple syrup, whatever in the top three ingredients, that's going to create a big glucose spike. It really is.
0: On that point of, you know, we're looking at the labels now. I'm curious in terms of sugar, are there certain sweeteners that are better than others? And then two, how much and I know that, we're individuals, and and body weight plays a role. Size, you know, I'm six foot seven, so you know my sugar intake is probably going to be different than someone's five feet tall. So, like one, which types of sweetener? Then two, in terms of if we're reading a label and sugar, how many grams, like roughly, that is is too much.
1: So the sweeteners in the category of sweeteners that are. That contain calories so not you know artificial sweeteners or zero calorie sweeteners the following are all the same despite what marketing tells you regular white sugar brown sugar cocoa (laughs) sugar honey maple syrup agave syrup fruit puree fruit juice concentrate fruit juice dried fruit All that stuff, if you see it on a label, it's the exact same thing. It's all glucose and fructose. And I know people really react when I say that honey is the same as table sugar, but it's actually, honey is actually worse for you than table sugar because honey contains a greater proportion of fructose. And fructose is even worse for your body than glucose. Everything that glucose spikes do, and in all the ways they damage your body, fructose does it at an even greater extent. And every time you eat something sweet, there's fructose in it. And that's why it's always better to eat something starchy and savory than to eat something sweet. So honey has more fructose in it than table sugar. The proportion is higher. So it's, it's more damaging to your body. And people say, yeah, but what about the antioxidants in honey? The thing is, if you take a tablespoon of honey and you look at how many antioxidants are in it, it's actually the exact same amount as how many antioxidants are in half a blueberry. So you can get all the antioxidants you'd find in a tablespoon of honey in half a blueberry with none of the side effects of all the glucose and fructose molecules. So that's one of the big things I debunk, and I hope people will slowly you know come to realize that's the case because a lot of us, just eat honey by the mouthful thinking it's helping.
0: Well, also like in terms of sweeteners, you know, Mm -hmm. something that I've found to work well is monk fruit.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. So then you have sweeteners that do not create glucose spikes. So allulose, great option. Monk fruit, great option. Erythritol, great option. And sometimes you might hear people say, oh, well, you know, artificial sweeteners like those, they actually create cravings in your brain and they're really bad for you. In fact, these are better options than real sugar. Like, it's always better to eat, it, to drink a Diet Coke than it is to drink a regular Coke. Yes, sure, some artificial sweeteners like the ones in Diet Coke um, can have some side effects on your health, but real sugar has even more side effects on your health. So, 100%, I would go for monk fruit over real sugar if you like the taste of monk fruit.
0: Yeah, I love monk fruit. That's what's in our chocolate collagen, which I'll I'll have to send to you after this. Oh but, yes, um, please. But this, but how much sugar for most people is too much? Like if you're reading a label and you're decoding yogurt, for example, and you and you want something that's like you just can't do plain yogurt. You're like, ah, I just can't do it. Like I need something in the yogurt. Is it three grams? Is it ten grams? Is it twenty? I know it's a little bit of a moving target because we're all different shapes and sizes. But how do you think about that?
1: I mean, the ideal amount of sugar that we should consume is zero grams. Like there's no benefit to consuming sugar, but that's not what I'm here to say. Like I'm not here to tell you you shouldn't eat any sugar ever because sugar brings us joy and pleasure and it's an integral part of our diet and it's just fun. Like I want to eat cake for my birthday. So in terms of how much is too much, think about it more in terms of swaps. So if you want to eat something sweet, the best thing to eat is a piece of whole fruit. So if you want a sweet yogurt, buy the plain Greek yogurt and then buy some blueberries and put that into your yogurt. Also put some almond butter in your yogurt. I love it. Unsweetened. It tastes really nice and rich and sweet, even though it doesn't have any sugar in it. So that's what I would recommend. Then if you don't want to have a piece of whole fruit and you want to have a piece of cake, for example, as we mentioned for the waffles, put some clothes on it. So put some protein, fat or fiber with your chocolate cake or have your chocolate cake as dessert at the end of a meal instead of on an empty stomach. So you're still enjoying the sugar, but with fewer of the consequences.
0: You know, you mentioned nut butter and dessert and what I found personally when I wore my CGM, I wore levels, so did my wife Colleen about a year ago. And I would do all these experiments. I would see like, all right, let's see how high we can get this. And I don't have a glucose problem. I'm pretty fine. Uh, normal there. And one of the things I found was chocolate and nut butter for me was like magic. And Mm. so I could, could, yeah. And like, I, I wouldn't, you know, for example, I would have no spike at all from very, let's just say very minimal, if I had an unreal, you know, peanut butter and chocolate or Justin's peanut butter and chocolate, or th- there's so many brands that do that now, but like peanut butter, any kind of nut butter and chocolate, as long as it wasn't like an obscene amount, wouldn't do anything. So to me, the takeaway was like, all right, nut butter for the win. Like if I'm going to have anything sweet, <laughs> throw a lot of nut butter on there and I'm going to be okay.
1: Yeah. Because nut butter is protein and fat.
0: Yeah. And so I, that, that was like the rule of thumb I developed. I was like, all right, I got to throw a nut butter whatever I have dessert. And you know, in terms of the the other category I'll put it in the fun category for, for many people is alcohol. What, how, what have you learned about alcohol?
1: So we know that alcohol is a poison. So, you know, the less, the better, but if you're going to drink alcohol.
0: hundred percent. What I'm, what I'm I'm glad you said that all. important to note. One of my favorite lines from alcohol was from Dr. Stephen Gunry a couple of years ago at an event we held. And he said, if you haven't started drinking, don't start today. That's like number one rule. But if you do drink, here are some ways you can do it better.
1: Exactly. So in the context of ordering an alcoholic drink at a bar, you're already going to give your liver a lot to handle with all of the alcohol coming through. But what you can do is also avoid giving your liver on top of that a glucose spike or a glucose and a fructose spike so best options are wine any type of wine sparkling red white whatever those are going to keep your glucose levels steady so that's fine then in terms of beer so some seem to be better for your glucose levels than other i mean of course the low carb beers are going to be the best but then if you look at so ipas are going to be better for you than other types of beers finally if you're looking at cocktails and sort of harder liquors essentially vodka gin tequila like rum all of these things are going to keep your glucose levels pretty steady what's going to matter is the mixers so you want to avoid mixing your liquors with fruit juice coke you know other stuff that contains sugar the best options are soda and lime now i do want to mention something jason because When I first wore a glucose monitor and I had some glasses of wine, I noticed that my glucose levels were steady. And so I was like, oh, this means that, you know, wine is good for my glucose levels. Actually, the reason that all these alcohols keep our glucose levels steady is because when alcohol arrives and our liver has to handle it, our liver becomes overwhelmed. It has to deal with this toxin. And as a result, it can no longer perform another function that it has, which is to release glucose into your bloodstream. So the steadiness you see is sort of quote unquote fake, or it's a bit distorted by the fact that your liver is going through a hard time. So just keep that in mind.
0: In terms of one thing I want to spend a little time on too, is the spike. Cause as you say, spikes happen and. I, I got, I, it was so insightful for me to go through the process of, of wearing a CGM to see the spikes and see what I could do to minimize a spike, which food spiked and, and also the art of the spike, if you will. And so something you talk about all the time at your Instagram and the book is the, the different, like the, 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 there's the double peak and then there's a the single peak. So like walk us through what we want to see if we're actually measuring our glucose in real time the different types of spikes.
1: So ideally, after a meal, you want to see a spike that is lower than 30 milligrams per deciliter. So you want to see an increase of less than that. And then, importantly as well, you want to see the spike coming back down to baseline without dropping under baseline. because in some people, you will see what's called reactive hypoglycemia, which is after a spike, your glucose levels then drop below baseline for a little while and then come back up. And that starts signaling that there's too much insulin in the body. And those create even stronger cravings and hunger. So yeah, ideally, the spike is less than 30 milligrams per deciliter. This is based on studies that have been done in people without diabetes. Then, I mean, the higher the spike, the worse the effects are going to be. So. It's really a spectrum. Like if you put on a glucose monitor for the first time and you notice that after every meal, you're seeing a 80 milligrams per deciliter spike. Success for you will be probably to get that down to like a 50 milligrams per deciliter increase. You know, like it wherever you are, what's important is to be able to get it a bit better. Then in terms of the double peak spikes. So sometimes, especially when you eat fatty foods, like maybe fast food or pizza you'll see a double spike. So you'll eat the meal, it'll go up by 30, then it'll drop down by 10, and then it'll go back up by 10, and then finally it drops back down. And this has to do with the presence of fat. So when there's a lot of fat in your digestive system, some parts of the glucose breakdown process can be slowed down. So you see these weird patterns where glucose arrives in the bloodstream, then there's a bit of a break as the fat, Goes through and then you see another spike in glucose levels. To be honest, like these little variations matter less than the overall height of the spike. And yeah, when you wear a glucose monitor, you see all kinds of weird shapes and it can be kind of confusing to interpret. But mostly they're just like a natural part of just your body digesting your food in one way or another.
0: And in terms of minimizing the spike, one of the things I found, and you've mentioned the book, you can go for a walk after you eat.
1: Absolutely. So your muscles are really, you know, your best friends in helping you reduce spikes. So what happens is that every time a muscle contracts, it needs energy to do so. And the easiest place that your muscles are going to find this necessary energy is in glucose in your bloodstream. And we can use this to our advantage. So one of my hacks is after every meal, use your muscles for 10 minutes. So within an hour after the end of your meal, get up, go for a walk, or maybe dance to a couple of your favorite songs, maybe play with your daughter, maybe walk your dog, maybe do the dishes, do the laundry, whatever. Use your muscles in any way that you like. Because as you do this, your muscles will soak up glucose that is landing in your bloodstream after your meal. And as a result, you'll see a smaller spike overall. So you're still eating the exact same meal, but by doing this, you minimize the very high spike, and then the drop that leads to consequences.
0: it also makes the argument for eating earlier before your bedtime,
1: absolutely. So you have time to actually move,
0: yeah. and something I found too, look at it, it can affect your heart rate variability and mm-hmm. it affects your overall sleep,
1: yeah, absolutely. You if know, I go to bed with a big glucose spike, I do not sleep well,
0: yeah. And so there's downstream effect you know there's downstream effects, and so uh, Look, your book is so well-researched. Everything you do is well-researched. And I'm curious, in all of the research you've done, is there something that just like really caught your attention where your jaw dropped and said, I, I just can't believe that's that's true?
1: Yeah, vinegar.
0: Vinegar? Like vinegar.
1: So, yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> so I realized that there were all of these clinical trials, like these double-blind placebo controlled clinical trials on the effect of vinegar on our glucose levels. It turns out that if you create these vinegar drinks, so if you dilute a tablespoon of vinegar in a tall glass of water, and you have that before a meal, you will reduce the glucose spike of the meal by 30%.
0: Wow. Just by a tablespoon of vinegar before a meal.
1: Yes. And that blew my mind because I, I, I was like, I can't believe this. But this, the studies are real and they're very numerous. So I, I wanted to understand how this worked. And it has to do with acetic acid. So acetic acid is the molecule in vinegar. And acetic acid does two things. First, it slows down the breakdown of starch into glucose in your stomach by impacting the speed at which this enzyme called alpha amylase does its work. Second, it goes to your muscles, those muscles we were just talking about. And acetic acid tells your muscles to uptake glucose more quickly and to create glycogen more quickly than they normally would. So when you activate your muscles through acetic acid before a meal, then any glucose spike from that meal will be curbed because your muscles will come and soak up glucose as it arrives in the bloodstream. And that's not all, Jason. So in the studies, they showed how just a couple of drinks like this per day for a couple months can help people put their type 2 diabetes into remission, can help women who have hormonal issues reduce their testosterone levels, get their periods back, all through the effect that this has on flattening your glucose curves. So yeah, that one that one shocked me.
0: Wow. So does it hold true for apple cider vinegar as well or just vinegar?
1: It holds true for any type of vinegar. So really what matters is this molecule acetic acid which is in all vinegars. Then if you want to get, you know, detailed on this, it's best to avoid balsamic because balsamic has a bunch of sugar in it which would sort of counteract the positive effects Um, of the acetic acid. Something else you can do is drink this with a straw to protect your teeth's enamel. Even though diluted vinegar technically will not damage your teeth's enamel, it's good to be a bit safe. But yeah.
0: So theoretically, unfortunately, every ACV gummy has sugar. It's just... If there theoretically, if there was an ACV gummy and it didn't have sugar, would that work?
1: Uh, So we actually don't know. So definitely do not have gummies because they have sugar, but there are these things called vinegar capsules. So these are supposed to be sort of dehydrated acetic acid with no sugar. However, none of the studies have been done on these capsules, and we're not sure that the acetic acid still has its effect once it's gone through that process. So we don't know. But if you hate the taste of vinegar and you still wanna try having some of the side of benefits, you can try the capsules. I mean, they won't hurt you, but to be honest, for those of us who can't handle the taste, just use other of the hacks I share because they're just as effective and they don't require you to pop like three, four pills before every meal. I'm not a big pill person. <laughs> like I'd rather oh, just you. do the other hacks, like the food order, save your breakfast, walking after meals. It's just, I find it more enjoyable.
0: As for me, I just pile on the nut butter. (laughs) In closing, you know, what's interesting to you? What's exciting to you? What are you paying attention to in terms of like, you know, there's so much happening in wellness right now. There's so much great science. What do you think is interesting? And we're going to be thinking about a year or so from now.
1: I think people are going to realize this statistic, which is mind boggling, which is that 90% of us have glucose spikes every day. And I think we're going to realize that, you know, glucose regulation is the number one thing to start with if you want to improve your health. Then, I mean, I'm a big mental health advocate. I think it's a really interesting space. And I want us to find a way to measure mental health in the same way that we measure glucose levels, you know, because I'm a big believer in showing people something visual so that they can understand the science. And I want us, I want somebody to invent a sensor that measures maybe your nervous system, stress levels. So that then we can apply hacks to your nervous system to feel better and show visually how it helps your mental health. So that's sort of what I've been playing with in my head. Yeah,
0: I, I love it. Well, Jesse, thanks so much for all the incredible work you do on, on your Instagram and your book, The Glucose Revolution. I must read, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Jason. Bye.